live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. It's just embarrassing. I don't know why the high voice ever. What's happened? Like the last couple of weeks, you've been like randomly critiquing your own voice during our rejoins. Just it's embarrassing. I I don't know what happened. This is the press box. He's just doing his own self-critique. He's just listening to these rejoins, oh, disgusted in his own voice, apparently. Yeah. The only thing I'm not disgusted is whacking that thing around, because it is me. With Grady and Bischoff. He literally, it's the exact same. It's, like, it's the exact same. Ed was, a, was an actor at one point. He <laughs> Child actor. On ESPN Las Vegas. Whacking that thing around. I was a child actor. My point. No, that was still me. Do whatever voice you want to do. (laughs) I'm getting low. I've gotten low recently. On purpose. Yeah, we know. We know. We'll get you. We'll get you talking about the Dodgers, and we'll see if you can control how low your voice is. Ah, Then, come on, it's one game. Look at you. It's one game. Max Friel. Who's dealing? Who's dealing? Who's the ace? He's the ace. Jared, who are we doing a show with today? Uh, It was the ace. Wow. Had one seven straight. You can't win them all. Wow. Who is this? I mean, technically, you can. You can. You absolutely can. I did it on a video game once. (laughs) How many tablets do you have going yesterday? Uh, Two TVs and one tablet again. Got to see this production you have. You know what's going to be great? So right now, in our loft upstairs, I have two TVs on the wall. And then I have a tablet that I use. I'm going to move those to, I'm like going to have an office. I'm going to move those into the office, and I bought another TV, so I'll have three on the wall, plus I can go to a tablet if I need it. Do you bet? No. <laughs> That's staggering. He just has a problem. I was going to say, you have three TVs, three controllers. Yep. Do you do, should I ask you your cable company? DirecTV. Okay. All right. I just, I, I this production is just out of hand. Oh, it's great. I, well, I need the extra TV screen, so let's get three on the wall. Are they all different flat screens, or are they all the same TV? Uh, two of them are the same, just smaller TVs, and then the one I just got's a 65-inch, some other brand. 65-inch? <laughs> TLC, TCL, something like that. I don't and then know. the others are not that, well, obviously no, not. Your entire wall would not be yeah, able to fit three 65-inch yeah, no, televisions. They're only 25 inches, so I'll have a 65-inch and then two 25-inch TVs. And a tablet. To it. And a tablet. And that's what you do. You just go home and watch stuff. Yeah, if there's multiple. Right now, yeah. They got NBA playoffs. I'm going to watch the Astros and the Golden Knights play again. So, yeah. Of course. Man. I need another screen. You need other things to do. No, irrelevant. (laughs) That's what you do. You need other things to do, That's not important. (laughs) I just need more screens so I can watch more games. That's the important thing here. The First Bite. The First Bite is brought to you by the Unnecessary Roughness podcast on Raider Nation Radio 920. Should Robin Leonard be a Golden Knight next season? Well, here's the thing about this. I think there's a lot into this. We're going to get into a lot of it. I don't know if he should be a Golden Knight, but I don't know how easy it would be to move him anyway. Right. So with his contract, with and I, I contend that th- there's no one happier around the What's happening to the Golden Knights in the rest of the league? Oh, 100%. I, they hate the Golden Knights for what happened in the expansion, and they never <laughs> lost. So if they come to me, they say, hey, we're trying to unload Leonard. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Now you're going to give us this, this, and this if we take on that guy's contract. So the problem the Golden Knights find themselves in is the same problem they've been in for about two years now. They are going to have salary cap problems this offseason, and everybody else knows it. 
According to Cap Friendly, right now the Golden Knights have 17 players under contract for next season, which is not enough to field an entire team. 17 under contract for next season, and their cap hit puts them about half a million over the salary cap for next year. That's they, they That's have not to, good math. Right. They have to move somebody out just to get under the salary cap. And then that only puts you and that gives you 16 players. And you need like at least 20, right? Right. That's a full lineup with a backup goalie for a game day. So they're going to have to do something. And we saw this this year during the season. Long-term IR bailed them out. But this year during the season, they had to do something. They tried to take, trade Evgeny Dodonov. Didn't end up working out for him. We've seen it before when they traded away Nate Schmidt and Paul Stasny for nothing, for late or mid-round picks. And we saw it when they gave up Marc-Andre Fleury for absolutely nothing. They have traded from poor leverage situations for two straight years now where everybody knows they're against the cap. I am curious, does Robin Leonard have any value? Like, do do other teams look at that and say, yes, the Golden Knights are in a bad situation, but we want Robin Leonard. Like, we we want that guy on the team. So, yeah, you're not going to get great value for him, but... Do the Golden Knight can they get a pick back for Robin Leonard because enough teams say, hey, that guy's no. pretty good? Or would they have to attach a pick to this guy or trade him like they traded Flurry and just get absolutely nothing in return? Either the latter or they might get a pick. I think he's been good enough at times throughout his career that you're talking about a lot of teams. A lot of teams need goaltending and that I could see a late round pick coming back for him or like the Flurry deal. I don't know if you have to attach a pick because I think there'd be enough interest in him that you could get some, it wouldn't be a lot. It'd be like, like you said, the Schmidt deal where you Stasny where you're getting these late round picks that, you know, whatever, but to attach like a player or draft capital, I don't know if they'd have to do that. I the, think he's been good enough. The biggest problem though, if you're, if you're in a team acquiring Leonard, he's got three years left. Well, on it's his contract the contract after this year. Yeah. It's the contract. So in Mark Andre Fleury's situation, there was one year left right. on that contract and they still got nothing in return for it. Leonard's got three years. So another team has to not only a look at Robin Leonard, who's dealing with injuries, right? He'll be coming off an injury season and say, okay, we think he'll get back to where he was, but also say we're willing to take on three years of that contract. And not that Leonard's on some terrible contract, 5 million is not like a massive number, but it's not nothing. And it is a risk to take on Robin Leonard coming off an injury who hasn't been very good and expect him to be good. So I I don't know if he carries enough value to actually get something in return. And what I would guess happens, I guess he's still on the team next year. Even, oh, really? Yeah. I, maybe they don't even try to trade him, but I would guess the Golden Knights look at it and say, we've got to give up. We might have to give up a fourth round pick to trade Robin Leonard. Is that worth it? Or should we find other guys on the roster to move? And we'll just keep Robin Leonard and he'll be the goalie. And we've seen him be good in the past. We'll, we, we will expect him to turn it around. That would be my guess as to what happens this offseason is that they don't end up trading Robin Leonard because of the contract and because nobody else is willing to actually give anything up for him. Could it also because they're not sure that Logan Thompson's ready to be a number one guy? Well, that's the other fascinating part of this. You're the Golden Knights who are in a Stanley Cup contention window, right? Obviously, this year's team is, this has been a very strange year. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. But next season, this team, regardless of what moves they make in the offseason, we're still talking about 
Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, Jonathan Marshall, William Carlson, right? Maybe one of those guys is gone to help him get under the cap. We'll see. But that that's your core of your team. That's a Stanley Cup title type of team, right? Mm-hmm. Or you expect that to be. Can you really go into a season expecting to win the Stanley Cup with Logan, Logan Thompson, Thompson as the goal? Yeah. As as good as he's been this year, right? I mean, he's he's been a better goalie than Robin Leonard. Small sample size, but he's been a better goalie than Robin Leonard. He's been a better goalie than Marc-Andre Fleury has been this year, too, for two different teams. But can you really go into a season and say, we're going to get 60-plus starts out of Logan Thompson and he's going to be good, and then we're going to be in the postseason, and Logan Thompson's going to be the guy. Yeah. And that's why I go back to, I think Leonard's still around on this team, because A, I think that's a hard thing to sell to yourself, that Logan Thompson's going to get it done. So if you don't believe in Logan Thompson and you trade Robin Leonard, that means you've got to go acquire a whole nother goalie. Right. And there are some free... Mark There's Andre, other... Mark andre Fleury's a free agent at the end of this oh. year. Just, just throwing and it out And yesterday there. he came out and said he's going to play one more year. Did, oh, did he say? I he said that. that yesterday. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, big, big news from the agent flurry and Logan Thompson, big news the goalie the duo, then Logan body's Thompson. held up. Oh. He wants to go one more year. Then Logan Thompson can steal his job and everybody will hate Logan Thompson <laughs> next year. But uh, there, there are some free agent goalies you could conceivably go after. But again, if you trade Robin Leonard away and he has a $5 million salary and then you go sign a guy for $5 million, you didn't accomplish anything salary cap wise. Maybe you got better if you think you signed a better goalie. But you didn't accomplish anything salary cap wise, and they have to accomplish something salary cap wise this offseason. Might end up being trading away of Guinea Dodonov and taking on, I already forgot that guy's name, John Moore. Is that the guy from Anaheim's contract that was not going to play? Oh, that was never going to play? He was going to stay home in Boston or something? Yeah, whatever. You might have to take on some useless contract or whatever, but they maybe they trade away Dodonov. But I just, even if they want to move on from Robin Leonard, I think you're going to sit down and look at it and say, the best option for this team in the offseason is to hold on to him. Because then if you don't, you're either A, going with Logan Thompson, who has like less than 30 career starts, or B, you're going to pay another goalie. Yeah, despite what, and Logan Thompson's on a good contract, but despite that, you have to get someone else. I mean, listen, best case scenario for the Golden Knights, Logan Thompson is a legitimate top 15 goalie. On his contract. He's making less than a million dollars for three more seasons. And granted, he I'm sure if he was really good, they'd give him an extension and they'd end up owing him some money eventually. But best case scenario is Logan Thompson actually is is this good. And you get average to above average goaltender play for seven hundred and sixty six thousand dollars for three more years. That'd be phenomenal. I mean that that we talk about rookie contracts for quarterbacks in the NFL. That's basically what that would right. be. You'd be saving yourself $4 million right. because Logan Thompson would be that good. You'd have to just sign a backup for him, right? which wouldn't cost you much. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Call up Yuri Patera again and let him be the backup for $7 or whoever. Yuri, yeah. get out so of the 215. That, like, that, and, like if, if you sat down and tried to figure out what's the best thing that can happen for the Golden Knights, it's that. It's that they trade away Robin Leonard and that Logan Thompson becomes the guy for three more seasons. And you don't pay him anything. If that happens, Golden Knights, I mean, that that completely but reinvigorates the title window for him. I guess the question is, let's say they don't make the playoffs. So you don't really know about Logan Thompson. Right. How would you make that decision? Right. You, 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 you'd have to really take a chance in your can't. own mind and say, we, we believe it. Because once you cut through Leonard and move him, 
then it's probably Logan Thompson. Yeah, he has. Uh, it's 14 games this year, 15 in his career. So here, here was the interesting part. We, or I don't remember if you did. I criticized the Laurent Brossois signing this past offseason. They gave him $2.5 million. And the reason I criticized it was I was like, well, just let Logan Thompson be the backup. He's going to make $700,000. Right. You can save basically $2 million against the cap for a goalie you don't plan to play. And Logan Thompson, back-to-back years in the AHL, has been really good. Now, that doesn't always translate, but just let Logan Thompson be the backup. They still wasted $2 million signing Laurent Brossois, and now we're sitting here where, does anybody even consider Laurent Brossois part of this team anymore? No, they they don't know where Laurent is. He He's with Shippy. Yeah. He's with Shippy down at the at, down at the Flamingo Ice House, and that's another player. He's under contract for next year for two point five million dollars or two point three million dollars. Excuse me. Uh, you, well, they, there's someone you can try to move. Well, they got to get out of that contract, <laughs> no doubt about it. They've got to get out of that one, but nobody's taking that on. No, nobody's trading no, for Laurent trading, for a no. slot at two point three. No. I mean, that's one where like, okay, we'll we'll take we'll give you a third round pick to take Laurent Brossois, and you're like, Jesus, that sucks. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of things they need to do, and I think Robin Leonard ends up being on the team because of everything else they need to do. This team's going to wind up with no draft picks just so that they can get salary oh, relief. Yes, I don't know how many they have right now. Let's see what what are their what is their draft status for this upcoming year? They have a second and a third, and then two fifths, and then some sixth and sevenths. Twenty twenty three, they have a first and two thirds. Okay, there's the picks you're trading those two thirds in twenty twenty three. Then they have more than I thought. Yeah. So no so first. They don't have a one for this year. No first this year. That's that went to Buffalo. Right. Uh, and which, by the way, oh, it's actually that could be wrong. It is lottery. It is top ten protected. They missed the playoffs. They're in the lottery. They could jump if they get in the top ten. They get to yeah, keep they the get pick. pick. They get the and they might the actually pick. get a good player for once. Right. They'll probably trade him away. Well, but <laughs> supposedly they got three in the first year, and they, they, they none of them are around. One of them's good, maybe. One of them's good. One of them's good. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA because it's the number one seed in trouble. How much have you been waiting for these type of moments to have this type of game, you know, on the biggest stage? (laughs) Six years. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout this year, I had confidence that we we would be here. I didn't know what it would look like, but we continue to get better um, every single day. We have a really, really good group of guys that want to get better. So to be on this stage and continuing to have success is, um, is, is great for us. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. The Pelicans took game two from the Phoenix Suns last night. Devin Booker got hurt hamstring injury in the third quarter at 31 in the first half. Then a hamstring injury in the third quarter. Did not play the entirety of the fourth quarter. He did come back out and was sitting on the bench, though, not in uniform anymore. Not looking happy either. Are the Suns in trouble? <sighs> I don't think so yet. And I was I watched that most of that game last night. And no matter if he comes back or not, he's not 100% because you're not going to get over a hamstring that, that uh, quickly. I think they'll still find a way. But I'll tell you what, it's a lot more interesting now. It's a lot more interesting. The... Biggest thing about the Pelicans now is the biggest thing is we won't have to see Zion with a chain that cost one million and fifty dollars. There'll actually be a play. There'll actually be a game that will want to watch the team because now they're kind of more in it than they were. Did you see the chain on <laughs> I Zion? I did not see it. Was he sitting courtside with it? Yes, it's it's bigger than this studio, <laughs> and it was round and it might have cost seven hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so if it looked big on him, 
That, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> Would I fall over <laughs> yeah. face first if I put it on? Yes. Okay. This it's, is the chain two games ago. Yesterday, he just kind of had like a dog tag chain that was nothing but diamonds as well. That probably only cost a hundred grand. But um, yeah, the two games ago, they had the he had the round circle, and you would fall face first. Awesome. Um, here's I think the key to last night's game: trying to project what the Suns are going to do without Devin Booker. New Orleans made 17 of 31 three pointers. Yeah, they made over 50 percent of their threes. Brandon Ingram, I did he miss a shot in the fourth quarter? I mean, no, he was on the fourth quarter. Was amazing how they kept trading threes. Yeah. The Pelicans are not going to do that three no. more times. Even if Devin Booker doesn't play, Brandon Ingram's not going to get that hot three more times. The Pelicans are not going to hit 17 of 31 threes three more times. It's just, it's not realistic for that to happen. That was an, ins- an insane game for the New Orleans Pelicans that I doubt is replicable enough to win a series. I think Phoenix still wins this without Devin Booker. The question, though, when does he come back? And like you said, how healthy is he when right. he does come back? Because I still think Utah and Dallas, they'll probably be okay if they've got 85% Devin Booker out there. But they're not getting out of the West if Devin Booker's not Devin no. Booker. And not the way the, the Warriors are playing. Yeah, and they're in the Western Conference Finals. Right. So that, I think, is the bigger question. I think they'll be fine against New Orleans, even if Booker doesn't play another game in the series. I think they'll be fine against New Orleans, probably fine in the second round, but it's hard to see them getting to the finals without a fully right. healthy Devin Booker. He didn't look happy. Well, and hamstrings, man, I'm telling you, he could have it the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. You're not just you're not recovering from that like right away, no matter how bad the strain is. Um I, I'm with you. I think they'll be okay against New Orleans. It's it I'll tell you what, it makes me want to watch the series a little closer now. Well, I mean, I, if I, Brandon I, Ingram's going to do that, yeah. I hope the Pelicans go to the finals because that was incredible. <laughs> GM LeBron has to be a little angry that he's like looking at Anthony Davis and then looking at Brandon Ingram and going, yeah. traded him. Well, at like, least he got Anthony Davis for Brandon Ingram. It's not the, hey, we need to make space for Carmelo and Russ. So let's yeah. trade off every competent player on this roster. Someone on Twitter this morning said, boy. The Lakers could sure use a wing like Brandon Ingram. And someone re- someone responded, they should draft one. They should draft a guy like that. <laughs> Five years from now, I think they'll be able to. Pretty soon. So that series. Bronny. A lot more interesting. <laughs> we'll see. That's a, that's a good point, by the way, on the whole LeBron James wanting to play with his son. How the hell are the Lakers drafting him? They got to oh, trade LeBron. More, yeah, I think it's more LeBron's going to switch teams. Okay. I don't think the idea that Bronny's going to get drafted by the Lakers who when the when are they next have a pick oh my god the Cavs get <laughs> the Cavs get Ronnie, get Ronnie. Oh, gonna go back to Cleveland he'd probably like that <laughs> uh the other game in the west yesterday um Memphis beat Minnesota 124 to 96 what's more indicative of reality to you that Minnesota blew out Memphis in game one by 23 points or that Memphis blew out Minnesota by 28 in game two more reality yeah Probably Memphis beating Minnesota. I'm surprised both these games have ended up being blowouts. Like it's it's it is this going to be one of those? It's a close series, but none of the games were close series. Depend. Yeah, I mean, look at how Edwards and the first game Edwards and Cat played, and then last night the what they combined for. So a lot of that has to do with them if Memphis is going to be yeah. in trouble at all. But like, are we going to get a six or seven game series where every game decided, decided by thirty? 
be kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, no, it wouldn't. That'd be, sure. You'd be looking back if you just keep going series. game to game to game to game. You, you, you know which side to bet, I'll tell you that. <laughs> It'd be a terrible series. Nobody wants to watch that. So let me ask you this question. The Grizzlies are the blank best team in the West. Uh, well, they're not They're not better than the Warriors right now. And the Suns with Devin Booker, I'd say they're the th- trying to think of, I'll say the third best team. They're the second best team in the West right now. Because? They're ahead of Phoenix right now. Because of Devin Booker? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. I mean, if, he, if he's really hurt, yeah. And until I see Devin Booker back as Devin yeah. Booker, I'm going to believe that they don't have 100% Devin Booker. Right. If he's if he's really hurt, yeah. then I would put Memphis ahead of if him If they've also. got 80% Devin Booker yeah. against the Grizzlies in the Western Conference yeah. Finals, I think the Grizzlies win the series. I think that's enough to I think the Warriors are really happy favorite. this morning. Uh, I think the Warriors might like win every series of five at the moment <laughs> or less because, good God, they are unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Grizzlies – are the third best team if everybody's healthy. I until we see Devin Booker healthy, I'll put him number two at the moment. Was there not a protester at the game last night? Did uh, I miss this? No one gluing. Okay. No one chaining. Uh, I didn't see anyone else trying to do crazy stuff. Okay. I mean, I think after the first two, security <laughs> has to have a meeting that's like, guys, this happens again. You're all fired. All the yellow coats had to get together before the game and say, if you see anybody, you tackle them immediately and take them out. I don't care if he's the president of the Raptors. (laughs) Did they check everybody's shirt? They say, take take that jacket off. Yeah. Do you have any chains? Do you have any (laughs) like huge gold chains coming into the arena tonight? Any Uh, glue? Can we check for glue? (laughs) Nobody tried to use Jared's idea. Handcuff yourself to John Morant. I still think it's the I still think it's a surefire way to like, hey, I made my point. Yeah, no, I you're right. If you could actually do it, now getting to John Morant's gonna be a little difficult. But oh no, they whenever they walk down the tunnel, don't they normally like high five high you five just people? Slap, yeah, slap you the just, on that, okay, that would actually be kind of funny. Yeah. If somebody if somebody went for a high five and just slapped the cuffs slapped on onto John Morant's wrist. I mean, Coming kind of, out at halftime, he wouldn't be able to play in the third quarter while they looked for the key. Probably scary for John Moran. Well, Jared's idea was to swallow it. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you just Ugh. stand there. You know what? Actually, they sell those courtside seats that are right next to the bench. You could surprise them by kind of sneaking up behind them. Right? Because, you know, when, the, you know, when he is on the John bench. John Moran, not known for his spatial awareness. <laughs> Yes. Teammate shoots Done. a three, and he stands up and puts his hands above his head, like you know, cheering on his teammate. Yeah. And you snap, he goes snap, and all of a sudden you're you're handcuffed to him. Yeah, God, be scary, but that'd be funny. I think the one downfall is I'm pretty sure all handcuffs take like a universal key. Do they? Really? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That sounds like a flaw. That doesn't sound good. Well, I mean, you have to have it in order to <laughs> use it, so. If you're handcuffed, unless you just happen to carry the handcuff key with you at all times. I mean, if you're doing activities where you intend, where you might get handcuffed, then you might carry it around with you. Yeah, I mean, it's not that big. You just keep it in your wallet. Yeah, they might take it. Man, if I'm a criminal, I know what I'm getting. All right, Ed Graney. I'm getting the key immediately. We talked to Sam and Ash later. What did they tell you about incriminating yourself? (laughs) Yeah. Calm down over there. (laughs) Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy joins the show. The Press Box, Path to the Draft, here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM, is brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. Joining us now, 
is Lincoln Kennedy. Good morning, Lincoln. How are you? Hi, Lincoln. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Very good. Um, all right. Here's an important question for everything the Raiders have done this offseason. <laughs> uh, they haven't done anything to upgrade the offensive line. Do right. you believe the five starters for week one are currently on the roster? No, I do not. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I still think there's there's work that needs to be done, but I do not believe that the five starters are on. I think they're going to probably rely on trying to get, get a little bit of a gem, if you will, with the picks they have available in the draft. And I'll also wait to see how the dust settles around free agency after the draft. Because, you know, the thing is, is that most of these rosters are built up before the draft even happens. You know, a lot of teams don't necessarily rely on the draft to uh, put their roster. They, 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 they rely on the draft to pad their roster with, with depth and the possibility of a starter here and there, but not overall. So offensive line is one of those, uh, those uh, position types where you can get late rounders that could you know, do, do well and you don't have to, have to pay uh, you know, your first and second rounders to do it. Um, but uh, it, it, I don't think that, that that is filled out just yet. Lincoln, the whole idea of coaching them up, and you know, Josh McDaniels actually used that term at the owners' meetings in terms of the offensive line. I think he also made it apparent that it's not the five that we're going to see right now. How far into a career where that becomes tougher and tougher? I mean, Leatherwood's a really young guy, but how far into a career we're like, eh, we don't know if we can do that anymore, and you kind of are who you are. Well, you know, here's the thing. When, when you're a new coach and a new team, there's, it's, a, it's a new situation all around. But when you walk into an existing situation and you look at the roster that you have, you have one or two options. I mean, the fact is they gave up a lot to get Devontae Adams, and well worth it, don't get me wrong. But, you know, when you give up your first couple of picks and you're, you talk about how big the draft matters – to a lot of the fan base, a lot of the team, and everything else, you, you want to make sure that you the remaining picks that you have you get right. Free agency has become extremely big um, throughout the NFL, and it, it always has been. But I mean, it's bigger even these days because so many so many teams have you know sort of uh, what going out and what we call you know created draft commodities where they have a ton of picks. They've got a ton of collateral uh, built up, but it doesn't necessarily translate into picks or winning. The Raiders are on the end where they need to win now, and the position is to win now, like a lot of teams, like the Rams did last year with getting Matthew Safford. They gave up a ton to get because they want to win now, and, and I think the Raiders are sort of in that position right now with the roster they have, the team that they have, the quarterback that they, they, they decided on, and, and Devontae Adams, you want to win now. So the, the draft becomes a little bit, little add-on, if you will, a little extra gravy on your, on your turkey dinner. So I am curious, offensive line-wise, with regards to Alex Leatherwood, how realistic is it to take a jump from being a below-average offensive lineman to being above-average just simply from year one to year two? Is that something to realistically expect from Alex Leatherwood, or is that too much to expect from a guy going I don't, I don't think the, the, the realistic the view is to be above you know, it is to be like a high-profile offensive lineman. I think offensive lineman is based on consistency and play. Alex Leatherwood found a little bit of a space towards the end of the year um, where he could fit in. Now, I don't think that he's set out to be a guard forever, but I do think there's a lot of things that he needed to work on. Most, most notably is his hand-eye uh, hand, hand coordination and his footwork. Um, he got away with being able to play guard inside because guard is a lot less exposed than tackle. But I still think that he's capable of playing tackle. He just needs to trade a lot more. Uh, I want to ask you about the Derek Carr contract next. Um, 
I don't think anyone believes it won't go beyond one year. I think that would be silly. I mean, a lot of really negative things would have to happen if that ever occurred. But they did essentially give themselves an out with the one-year guarantee. Were you surprised at that, or did you say, you know what, that's fine, but there's no way it's only going one year, he'll be fine? No, I, I, was, I wasn't surprised with it. I thought it was a smart move, mainly because there were notable teams out there who need a quarterback. And the Raiders were in a position where they had a quarterback. They just didn't necessarily, in my opinion, feel so solid on him, uh, keeping him as a starter. But I believe that's the reason why they went out and hired Josh McDaniels. I believe that Josh McDaniels, you know, when, he, when he had his interview, gave a plan on how to use Derek Carr. And I think it was smart for the Raiders to keep Derek Carr because, let's face it, you know, when you look around the league, there are teams that need a quarterback that would probably give up an arm and a leg for Derek Carr. He's a capable starter. And, you know, look, when you don't have to worry about a problem, you don't need to create a problem. You don't need to create an issue. So signing Derek Carr for the next couple of years gives that win-now attitude. You've got a quarterback who's capable, who can make every throw on the football field. If you give him a system and, and you surround him with enough weapons, that you should be able to win. It's to me, it's at a point where the Raiders are, are ready to win now. There, it, it, there's no more excuses when it comes to why you can't win now, and it's going to be a very competitive division in the AFC West. We already know that. With a, you know, Denver's got their quarterback now, so you already know what you're up against. But uh, the fact is, the Raiders are ready to win now. And there's no more excuses. You got a capable quarterback who's a good leader, who's a good player. Got to go out there and do it. Do you believe they're better than the fourth best team in the AFC West? No. Okay. <laughs> it's not going to be a good season if that's the case. Can well, I mean, here's the thing. It, it, look, but, but, okay, look. Let me, let me say this, you know, let me, let me preface this with a little bit of a grain of salt. The fact is, is that I, I've, I've said all along in all of my comments over the last couple of years, Denver's a quarterback away from being competitive. Okay, we already know what the Chargers can do with their quarterback. We saw how the games went back and forth between the Raiders and the and, and the Chargers. If the upper echelon is the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs have dropped down significantly. I think they're more they they're they're more what, 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 they're more prone to being beat than has ever been before. I think their chink is in their armor that is is bigger now. Now this is a time where the remaining three teams can catch you know can catch pace with them. But I'm one of these guys that you, you can't go off of paper. You gotta you gotta play. I don't care what you put on paper. You gotta go out and play. So you gotta show me that you can beat it. There's no rivalry between the Raiders and the Chiefs now because the, the Chiefs have owned the Raiders. You see what I'm saying? So when you want to go back and forth between the other remaining three teams, you know, between the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos, that's that 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 can be. But when you talk about a division where you're playing two games and you talk about the remaining schedule, this can go. This can be a serious coin flip as to who's going to come on top because any one of these teams can better the other team and take advantage of the conference if they get a little lucky in a little uh, in division, if they get a little lucky and, and find a way to win at the right time. I want to ask you because uh, they're going to have to make decisions on some uh, fifth-year options. I, I'm most fascinated with Josh Jacobs, what you think of him. Uh, would you pick up the option given the kind of position of running back in the NFL now? I mean, I think Farrell and, and Abrams and – that might be kind of easier decisions not to pick up options, but what what what's your feel on Josh Jacobs? I would keep Josh Jacobs. I, I think that we saw we saw a little bit out of Josh Jacobs with having King and Drake on the roster last year. The fact that you had running back by committee, which I think 
today's NFL is when it comes to running back. You can sit there and say what you say, want to say about the, the star running backs, but I still think it's running back by committee. I would keep Josh Jacobs, and, and because you know you have a notable run game. And we saw how it paid off last year. For the first time in Josh Jacobs' career last year, he was able to, uh, through the remaining part of the season, I think it was after week 11, he was able to be a, a part of the offense and be a viable part of the offense. Uh, I think that counted because we had a little bit of a changeup with King and Drake. I know King went out with with an early, an injury, but you know the fact that you had Josh Jacobs available from Week 11 on is is notable, especially in this offense. And I think it's going to be key in Josh McDaniel's offense because we see what they've done with running backs in New England as well in their past. So I, I think it was a good idea to keep them. All right, I have an important teammate question for you. The first okay. day of like off-season workouts for the Raiders, they tweeted out some pictures of guys arriving, and it was still dark out when Derek Carr got there, so it was whatever, 4.35 in the morning. If you were his teammate, are you excited because, oh, my quarterback's in early, this is great, or are you like, come on, Derek, you don't have to get there at 5. You're making us look bad for showing up at 7. I never thought about it. Um, I would, I would say, you know, here's here's the thing that's a little bit of a difference. You know, I I never worked out in the desert, if, if that makes sense. So, you know, being in Vegas is a little bit different, where you do things, you know, a little bit of odd times when the sun goes down and something like that. I never thought about it. The fact that he he showed up and he's there, he's a part of it, is a good sign because I think off-season workout programs. Um, it's taken a little bit of a change, even for my career. You know, I finished in 2003, and that was just the beginning of football becoming year-round. Um, and, and now you have it. It is year-round football. So the fact that the quarterback is there is a good sign. doesn't matter when he got there. I want you to give us, uh, we talked about the offensive line, your grade for their offseason at this point. Oh, incomplete. How oh, about okay. that? What Not a pass or fail, just incomplete. What do they? What do they need to finish it out and get a good grade in the off season? Add add something to the offensive line. Is that the main thing? It's so hard to judge because I'm not one of those guys that judge by names by paper. I got to see how they play and how they play together. Offensive line is one of the more critical whole positions, and I say whole position because you can have pieces that fit. You know, you can sit there and say what you say about Colt Miller, you know, and so on and so forth. But the fact is that you've got to fit together. And the longer the offensive line plays together, is together, the better off they're going to be. This is a big, huge step for the Raiders. This is one of the more critical processes for the Raiders because this offseason, this draft, they've got to get it right. They've got all the other pieces on offense capable. But if you don't have an offensive line that can hold up and do the dude do their due diligence, they're not going anywhere. So, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify when you look at paper like, oh, yeah, well, this looks like, oh, well, that might work or, or what have you. The fact is, is that they've got to play together and they've got to know each other. And, and, you know, what has changed so much from, you know, my NFL back in my day to where we are right now is that, you know, preseason is no longer a necessity. When Gruden was here, his starters didn't play preseason. And, and I don't know how Josh McDaniel is going to handle it. We have to wait and see. Do they protect their guys? Do they go out there and play? I would hope they go out there and play and showcase because they've got to get real-time snaps. You're not going to get it in practice. You're not going to get it in OTAs and all that stuff. You're only going to get it in playing situational games. But, you know, when, when the season comes out, the preseason comes out, I don't know how much these starters are going to play. I don't know how much we're going to see. I don't know how, much, how quickly they're going to gel together. So I can only give them an incomplete grade. 
Well, he is former Raider Lincoln Kennedy. You can hear him as the color commentator over on Raider Nation Radio during the season, during Raider games. Lincoln, thank you so much for Thanks, joining Lincoln. us. Thanks, Lincoln. Awesome stuff. Appreciate it. Pleasure. From this is mine, guys. You guys be well. Talk soon, okay? Take care. So, Lincoln Good Kennedy stuff there. on the Raiders. Um, I If it's April and it's workouts, I would be mad at my quarterback for showing up like two hours before <laughs> me. I'd be like, come on. Come on. It's April. Yeah, it's, season gets here. Let's let's we'll get in early. But in April, no, come on. We can't even practice. We're just going to like lift weights or something. You don't got to be there at five. Well, and the weather isn't horrible yet. Like yeah, you're saying well, about working out in the desert, it's not horrible yet. Like now in July, if you want to get there at 5 a.m. because you want to kind of skip well, some stuff. But then again, you're on the field anyway. Here's the amazing part about their new brand new practice facility. It's indoors. We got air conditioning. Yeah, they do some stuff indoors, but they go out in the summer. Yeah, well. They go out in the summer. Yeah, because they're idiots. Because they need more than one field. Yeah, well, need is a strong word. Should have built that whole thing indoors. Listen, you've got two all pros in the kicking situation who cannot be indoors <laughs> kicking while they're trying to Why run not? out patterns. Because they got to simulate real-world <laughs> situations. Why didn't they put more roof on that thing to have more indoor fields? Because they couldn't go across the street because that's where the aces are going to be. <laughs> Because that's where the WNBA <laughs> facility is, so you couldn't push it across the street. I hope they take away they take away a field from the Raiders. The Aces got to put their court. Uh, down we here. need another court. Becky needs Great. another court. All right, coming up next. What happened to the Dodgers yesterday? Line drive. That is a beautiful piece of hitting. Duffy's going to score. That one almost all the way to the wall. Here comes Mayfield. Two runs are in. Six-one Halos. 1-0, here's the pitch. Manny swings, hits it in the air, deep left field. Bam, going back, it will go! And again, Manny answers. 2-1 to one Padres in the first. Here's pitch on the way to Darno, and a rocket to deep left field, rising high into the sky, kissing goodbye. A home run by Darno. Drilled that deep into the Dodger bullpen, and it's 1-0 Atlanta. There's a deep drive to right center field, going back Bellinger over his head, all the way to the wall. Rounding third, Rosario, they hit the cutoff man, throw to the plate, up the first baseline. They throw down to third base, and now Orlando's in a rundown, and Alberto makes the tag, but the run scores. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. I'm stunned Ed Graney is not mad about the Dodgers losing. I'll take the seven-game win streak. Atlanta's good, man. Atlanta's good. No, they suck. It's no, they don't. Didn't they win like 80 games <laughs> yeah. last year? Yeah, they suck. They're terrible. Okay, well, they're fitting themselves for rings, so they're not. They, they don't suck. No, they don't. They're well, baseball's one well, of the few sports. They lost to the Angels. They do. Yeah. <laughs> they do suck. They did suck. You want a fun stat? You know the uh, ump scorecards on Twitter? They tweet out like yeah, all, the, the all the missed calls and, and yeah, what they got the skulls, them. So, yeah. Every one of those has a has a run impact of how many runs right. the umpire, <clears throat> excuse me, favored one team. Right. And the way they do that is like expected runs. So mm-hmm. we know because we've had so much baseball, every count based on the hitter, based on the guys on base, based on how many outs, if it's an 0-1 count versus a 1-0 count, what the expected runs is. Since ump scorecards started back in 2015, do you want to guess who the most favored team by umps in baseball is? I'm guessing it's the Dodgers. The Dodgers. The Dodgers. <laughs> what since, a shock that you're going to go down that 2015 road. 2015 are plus 91 I mean, runs. The second place team is the Angels. They're plus 73. At least the Dodgers got something to do with it. At oh, least they took yeah. advantage of what they were doing. The Angels haven't done a damn thing <laughs> with all those runs. How the, can you be that bad if you're the Angels? 
The Dodgers have gotten almost 20 more runs than the second most favored team in baseball and 90 more, 91 more expected runs. Than Makes up for their gotten. lack of talent. <laughs> I mean, the umpires look at these guys and say they don't have much of a payroll. They don't have many good players, so we're going to help them out and get them more runs. You know what else is also amazing? The Astros have played 11 games this year. Every single game, the other team has been favored by the umpire. Boy, you're just whining. Oh, I you're am whining. whining. I am whining. My goodness, man. They're, they're already minus five. You, you check these on the Astros every day. I'm well, Until we He's get one. He's watching the Astros every yeah, day. Yeah, right. Until, until we get one where the Astros were actually favored by an umpire, yes. But 11 games in, they have yet to been favored by an umpire, which is yeah. incredible. They've I mean, been, they've been, they're being, they're being robbed out of half a run a game just on their hitters. Their offense should be scoring made half example a run of, more still being made example of. I get, they weren't, la- I mean, they were third to last last year, but they weren't last last season. The Tigers got screwed more than the Astros last year. So Dodgers are the darlings <laughs> that is of kind of funny that the Dodgers have 20 more than the next team. It's, and yeah, like it's, not, it's not even it. close. Like they need it. Right. It's not even like, <laughs> ah, they're in first by a couple of runs. It's, it's 18 more runs than second place. Ridiculous! This LA bias over here with umpires. Get out of here. I mean, if it's close, they say, "Hey, Freddie's got a great eye. Muncie's got, got a great, a great eye. eye. It's got to be a ball. It's got to be a ball. <laughs> Muncie's got the best eye in baseball." <laughs> I did see Cody Bellinger yell at the ump last night. I missed that. Yeah, there was a curveball that it, according to the K zone, it hit the zone, and the ump called it a strike. And Cody Bellinger said, "There's no way. There's no bleeping chance." Really? Yeah, but it was in the zone. According did it to the strike him zone. out, or was during the no? Bat? It was during the it was during the at bat. Yeah, he didn't. It wasn't the strike. He almost hit it pitch. out again. Did he go zero hits yesterday? Yes. So he's still so zero, he, oh, two, today, zero two. Two today, baby. <laughs> they play at noon. He'll get two. If he's in the lineup today, he's been in the lineup every day. He'll Aren't get, there? Can you go two. find a prop bet of Cody Ballinger hits? Well, 1. if it keeps 5. happening, then they're going to put up a prop bet somewhere in this town. <laughs> Cody Bellinger prop bet of hits one point five. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be fun. Um. I, I will also tell you this about the Astros. I'm not full on Ed Graney at the end of spring training thinking, oh boy, this team season's over like you were. I don't know if they're good. They can't hit. Okay, so you made fun of me also. I'll come back at you. You made fun of me also where I was ripping Mookie Betts. He's horrible. Wait, what's his average right now? One something? 142. I mean, he's... I, I'm being serious. Like, the rest of them, like... Taylor and Freddie Freeman, all these guys who had bad springs, you're like, oh, they always hit. Dude, he's bad. Like, he's so bad, Hershiser's kind of taking shots at him, and he takes shots at nobody. Well, he said, already? Yeah, he said he he goes, way too many funky swings by this guy right now. He's he's bad right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you made fun of me, but I'm telling you, everyone else you were right on, everyone else is hitting. (laughs) And, 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 you know, everyone, everyone was 140 in spring, you're like, they'll be fine, and everyone's fine. Except the guy who's leading off who's supposed to be the best player. So six of the seven are fine. Yes. Be mad at the one. Yes.